What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts this is vison's college football betting podcast Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast. The month of June is here, and last week's edition, we chatted with Brad Powers and always love uh, chopping up with Brad Powers. And we've had some great handicappers on to really uh, jumpstart the offseason for us on the College Football Betting Podcast. Just a reminder um, you know, Wes Reynolds, Matt Humans, Adam Burke, myself. We are going to get back in the groove like we were last year. We are all going to start chomping at the bit when it comes to the VEASAN College Football Betting Guide as well. So once we get to July and August, we will have a lot of the VEASAN personalities who are focusing on other sports. Adam doing his thing on Major League Baseball, Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds, in addition to hosting VEASAN tonight chomping at the bit as i've used that phrase now twice uh on golf and and everything and and myself doing visa prime time as well but we wanted to keep this feed going with you know specific college football handicappers and, and hopefully you've enjoyed the content so far we've given out some you know good bets from the likes of paul stone from um you know colin wilson from brad powers uh from my guys over at the solid verbal so what i want to do this month is go conference by conference in the Power Five with reporters who are very locked in on those particular conferences. It may not necessarily be a situation where you're going to get, this is my best bet, dot, 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 but I'm hoping you're going to get a lot of information. You can utilize it to focus on 
said bets. So my goal throughout the month of June, as we always have said, to have at least one episode in your feed. But my hope is to have all five conferences done by at least July 4th, maybe the day after July 4th over the next month or so. So we will break down all five Power Five conferences, uh, you know, looking forward to some of the names to uh, to get on the show to to break down those power conferences. Today, we're going to chop it up on the Big Ten. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN, uh, who lives in Chicago, covers the Big Ten extensively for ESPN, also uh, on uh, SiriusXM's uh, college uh, college station as well. We are going to chat with him for about 30 minutes or so on the majority of the Big Ten teams. I'll be honest, we didn't hit Rutgers. Uh, we didn't touch on Maryland, so uh, we didn't get them all in. But, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, unique year for, for Wisconsin. So uh, looking forward to uh, giving you that conversation here in just a moment. Where do the odds stand for the Big Ten? So these are at Circa as of right now. This is June 7th. Uh, these are the current odds at Circa for conference futures and remember this this is the final year before usc and ucla come into the conference of the east and west for the big 10 so unlike the acc as we talked about that with brad powers why he was you know a little more bullish on florida state for a, a conference future even though he didn't play it there are no divisions in the ACC anymore. There's still a division in the SEC, no divisions in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Divisions still exist in the Big 10. So that leads me into the odds for the Big 10 this year. Ohio State and Michigan at Circa are co-favorites, plus 165. Those odds actually are a little bit better if you if you are interested in either one of those teams at DraftKings. Uh, I believe Ohio State plus 170, Michigan plus 180. Penn State, who many believe, I would agree, clear-cut third-best team in this conference, trying to get over the hump. Uh, they have won a conference title, of course, at plus 535. Uh, they host Michigan this year. They visit Ohio State this year. Wisconsin, they are sitting at 12-1 to to win the conference this year. We're going to get into Wisconsin, Luke Fickle, uh, Tanner Mordecai coming in from SMU, um, you know, very uh, Phil Longo comes in to be the offensive coordinator from North Carolina. Intriguing season ahead for the Badgers. Iowa, baby. Yeah, Iowa sitting there at 12 to one as well. As it goes down a little bit further, uh, you get a pretty sizable drop off because Wisconsin and Iowa believed to be the two favorites in the Big 12 West this year. Uh, last year, of course, it was Purdue. Purdue, now without Jeff Brom, without a whole lot of talent. Aiden O'Connell gone on to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, you know, they 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 had an exceptional season, made it to the conference championship. They're 300 to 1, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I'll be honest. We didn't talk much Purdue uh, with Adam Rittenberg. Uh, Minnesota and Nebraska both sitting at 50 to 1. Maryland, who... You know, their win total six and a half, which is higher than last year. One of my favorite win totals of last season was Maryland over five and a half wins. They were able to get that, get to a bowl game for a second consecutive year under Mike Loxley. And, uh, you know, little Tua is back, uh, which is uh, which is a promising thing for the Terps. But they're in the Big Ten East. So they're at 125 to one. 
uh, at Michigan State, 350 to one. Northwestern and Indiana both sitting at 700 to one. And if you want the long shot of all long shots, you want to chop that wood, baby. Greg Schiano's Rutgers squad sitting at a thousand, one thousand to one at circa. Quick run to rundown of the win totals. Um, and then we'll get into our conversation with Adam Rittenberg. Ohio State and Michigan both sitting at 10 and a half at circa, uh, juiced evenly, minus 110 both ways. Penn State, nine and a half, uh, minus 125 to the over on Penn State. So can Penn State avoid a loss to anyone? But Ohio State and Michigan is basically the way this schedule and this win total is uh, is pointing out. Just a dynamic backfield. Uh, they get Iowa to come to town. Uh, they do not play Wisconsin this year. And uh, they wrap up the season. Ford Field, uh, that'll be a primetime game at Ford Field uh, on the day after Thanksgiving. So they're nine and a half juice to the over minus 125. Wisconsin. Minus 115 to the over on eight and a half wins. Minus 105 to the under. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, a lot of intrigue coming off of a, a very disappointing year. Ultimately led to the firing of of Paul Chris there. Jim Leonard uh, held it down in the uh, in the interim. And then they go out and, and hire Luke Fickle, which was, in my opinion, just a phenomenal, phenomenal hire uh, for the Badgers this year. Home to Ohio State, no Michigan uh, and uh, no Penn State, but they do get uh, Iowa on the at home. So Iowa at home have to go to Pullman primetime ABC week two. Remember, they lost to Washington State last year. Iowa's win total at eight. The Cade McNamara era minus 110 both ways on that win total. Illinois six and a half minus 110 both ways on that. Uh, Minnesota at draft, uh, excuse me, at circa seven. Plus 105 to the over, minus 125 to the under. The Matt Rule era is underway. Can they get to bowl eligibility? How about this? Even if they get to bowl eligibility, something that they never did under Scott Frost, that would not cash you a, a win total over for Nebraska. Six and a half, even to the over, minus 120 to the under. Purdue, over under is five. The uh, fighting Matt Humans, minus 115 to the over, minus 105 to the under. Mentioned Maryland, six and a half. Uh, the Terps, I, I expect some interesting things from the Terps. Uh, a very manageable non-conference schedule for Maryland this year. Uh, remember, uh, as we talked uh, briefly about it, they have a primetime game on NBC in week two uh, where they're at home against Charlotte. Uh, they're non-con. Towson, FCS, Charlotte, and then Virginia on a Friday night. So they should be 3-0, and and then they go on the road to Michigan State. They get Indiana. Uh, I think there's a strong likelihood, ladies and gentlemen, that the Terps are 5-0 and heading into Ohio State on October 7th, and they'll get absolutely annihilated there. But you know, look at Maryland. Uh, team I want to dig into more. Six and a half seems lofty, but uh, they should be 5-0. and uh, You know, Michigan State kind of seems to be that uh, – that wild card. We'll hit on the Spartans here real quickly. Speaking of Michigan State, five, their win total at Circa, juice to the over minus 120. Northwestern are coming off the 1-11 and 11 season last year. What do we get from Pat's Cats uh, this upcoming season? Uh, look, Pat Fitzgerald, one of the best coaches out there. I love Pat Fitzgerald. By the way, we get a Sunday Labor Day weekend season opener for Pat's Cats on the road at 
Piscataway against Rutgers, and then they play UTEP at Duke. That'll be a, t- a tough one there for Northwestern, but uh, also have a random game against Howard uh, on October 7th. So uh, hopefully Northwestern doesn't fall into the ranks of uh, UNLV teams who in the FBS have lost to Howard in, in recent memory, but Northwestern sitting at three and a half, a one and eight season last year for Pat's cats. Indiana seems to be trending down. They're sitting at four juice to the under minus 120. And then Rutgers, as mentioned, four and a half uh, Rutgers last year in year, I believe it was year one of Greg Schiano went four and eight, uh, but did only win one conference game. Uh, they have Northwestern Temple, Virginia Tech. So could we see a 3-0 start for Rutgers before they head to the big house on September 23rd? So that's an overlook on where we sit right now uh, in the uh, conference odds and the futures market win totals as we get into this conversation with Adam Rittenberg. Before we get there, just a reminder, please rate, review, and subscribe to the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. As mentioned, we are going to be doing all Power 5 conference breakdowns this month, and certainly once the season gets here, back to our normal three-times-a-week breakdowns with Adam Burke on Monday nights, and Matt Humans on Thursdays, and uh, hopefully some weekend content as well. So uh, a lot to uh, to keep you chomping at the bit when it comes to the college football season. But without further ado, my conversation with ESPN's Adam Rittenberg. As crazy as it sounds, Adam, I guess it shouldn't be crazy anymore. We'll start with the two-time defending champs, the Michigan Wolverines, you know, it's 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 kind of funny as a as a Notre Dame fan. Um, there was that stretch there with with Brian Kelly, where you know people wanted him fired and the four and eight season. It feels like Jim Harbaugh has kind of taken a little bit of a, a page out of that playbook, and and maybe I would say even seen more success with back to back appearances now in the playoffs. So here we go. They're going to try to be a three peat in uh, in the Big Ten. Um, Blake Corum is back, JJ McCarthy. There's no questions about the quarterback situation. Uh, what are your expectations of the Wolverines in 2023? Yeah, you know, it, it, they should be really high, um, given who they have coming back and the, the evidence that they've already shown, um, with, with the players in their program. Uh, they anything short of a Big Ten championship and, a, and a, another college football playoff appearance would really feel like a disappointment. And that's certainly a tall order, you know, with Ohio State and, and, and an improved Penn State team um, in the conference. But uh, Michigan has has certainly elevated its performance, its recruiting. And then you have a number of players that have come back from that really good team last year. Blake Corum, as you mentioned, Donovan Edwards at running back, J.J. McCarthy. So they have their full backfield on offense returning. They have some receivers that are coming back. Um, you know, defensively, they've, they've shown that they can lose really good players and reload. Even a coordinator and losing Mike McDonald to the Ravens, they bring in Jesse Minter and, and really don't drop off a whole lot. So um, I think it's a program that you know, clearly has a next step to take in, in, in terms of winning in the postseason, but they have... Um, undoubtedly elevated uh you know their standards um and and they have a lot of the guys who understand what it takes to win the big 10 who are still in the program yeah road trip to penn state as you alluded to in late november and then of course uh the big one to wrap up the season which will be at the big house this year both of those games at noon eastern starts which you know 
Adam, when you when you think about Penn State and and you know the fact that they have that massive advantage of those whiteout games, you know we'll get into Penn State here a, a little bit, but just curious your thoughts on 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 the big noon kickoffs, how they've affected or maybe not so much, you know, a, a spot like Penn State that I feel like. It's such an advantage, those whiteout games, and to have that yeah. game at noon Eastern. Is that a bit of a, for lack of a better terms, Adam, a bummer for Penn State to have a noon kickoff against Michigan? Yeah, you know, I think it, it certainly, given their history of, of night games, even though they're one of those schools like Michigan and Ohio State that would prefer not to play at night in the month of November, um, you, you, you know, you certainly would love to have Michigan under the lights if you're Penn State. I was at the game last year against Ohio State, which was a big noon kick and still a great atmosphere and a game that Penn State, you know, really was was uh, in position to win, I thought, in the fourth quarter. And then Ohio State and JT Tuamalu went just crazy in the fourth quarter um, and, and, and kind of won that game somewhat comfortably. But, you, you yeah, you, so you do wonder, you know, if that fourth quarter is under the lights at a whiteout uh, with, a, with a road team, you know, trailing in the fourth quarter as Ohio State was, would Penn State have been able to close it out? Um, so, yeah, I think that's certainly something that, you know, maybe works a little bit against Penn State. Regarding Michigan, though, they have a lot of work to do because I was also at that game last year in Ann Arbor. And, uh, you know, Michigan just had its way with the Penn State. More than 400 yards rushing. They dominated the line of scrimmage. The game was close in the first half, you know, a little bit because of some fluky plays. I mean, you, you could just see Michigan was was just waiting to um, – to take off and, and they did in the second half and Penn state really had no answers. So I'm really interested to see because Michigan isn't hiding what it wants to do to Penn state or any opponent for that matter. They want to pound you with the running game. They want to control the line of scrimmage with a really good offensive line. Uh, and then they want to hit some, some downfield throws uh, with JJ McCarthy is Penn state and Manny Diaz going to be able to make the adjustments that they couldn't make last year in Ann Arbor uh, with with again a good defense coming back, a lot of a lot of really good players that are returning. But how do they adjust to Michigan at home, where they should have the advantage because they they were really uh, dog walked by, by Michigan last year. You know, uh, go, circling back to Michigan, and you know, as you mentioned, you, they know what they want to do. They want to they want to smash you in the mouth. They want to run it down your throat, and. And that leads me to J.J. McCarthy. And, you know, we've talked about it on, on various platforms. You know, we talked about a little Heisman Trophy futures last week because, you know, there's kind of a, a formula, Adam, when it comes to the Heisman Trophy. All right. A, a, a playoff caliber team and, you know, a quarterback pretty much is the way to go. I know Devontae, you know, Smith obviously won the Heisman just a couple of years ago. But, you know, based off of the odds, J.J. McCarthy's way down there. And I understand why, because – they don't really aren't expected to throw the ball all that much. So what have you heard about J.J. McCarthy this spring? And, and what are you expecting to see from McCarthy, a guy that, you know, looking back at last year, he threw it over 30 times, a total of three times all year. Right. And, and certainly had to do a bit more late in the year after Blake Corum goes down with the knee injury. He operated a very safe passing game for the majority of the season and did so well. I, I thought he, you know, he still made some good decisions out there. Didn't hurt his team, but there was this feeling, you know, those around JJ, like just wait until they turn him loose. Wait until they start letting him throw the ball a little bit more downfield. Um, and then you saw that later in the year, and it was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, I, you saw the playmaking ability 
like he showed in the Ohio State game, although his receivers and running back uh, Donovan Edwards certainly helped out big time in that game. And then you saw it in the playoff where you had good J.J. and bad J.J. And I think the, the struggle for Michigan is you want him to grow. You want him to be a bigger reason why you win games, but you're still going to win games primarily because of what you just said, the run game, the offensive line, uh, being able to overwhelm your opponent with force. So I think it's going to be really interesting because he's had another offseason in the program. Remember, he was hurt last spring, so he didn't go through spring practice last year. It was still very much, is it going to be Cade McNamara? When do they turn it over to J.J. McCarthy? The answer came obviously very early in the year. So he went through spring, uh, another system under under Sharon Moore. They have a new quarterbacks coach there, um, but sa- same offense. And you, know, you would think that J.J. will be a little bit more relied upon to, uh, to, to be the reason that Michigan's offense scores points. And that means attacking downfield, making plays with his feet, making really good decisions, but then not making some of those critical interceptions. Yeah, you know, I think he only had five interceptions. I may be off on that number, but not by much. Yeah, not five. Last year, and they just seem to be painfully damaging interceptions. You know, obviously, the, the, the two in the, in the playoff game really stood out. And so you know, every interception, not every interception is on the quarterback, um, but some of those were really, really uh, negative plays for Michigan. So you're going to want to take those out of your game if you're J.J., but also uh, not you know, kind of play in this very limited offense like he was early in the year. So he, he's really one of the more fascinating quarterbacks in the country because of how much they're going to let him do uh, maybe that was different from what we saw for most of last season. So Ohio State, 11-1 and last year, losing the playoff heartbreaker to Georgia. A uh, couple inches here or there, and and maybe they're a national champion uh, because you know they would have been a, a sizable favorite against TCU if they had defeated Georgia. Out the door uh, goes C.J. Stroud, number two overall pick, uh, and now you bring in Kyle McCord. So I, I think every discussion regarding Ohio State starts – with Kyle McCord. What have you heard, Adam, about McCord and, and the expectations for him in, you know, Ryan Day slash uh, Brian Hartline's offense this year? Right. Well, you know, Kyle's had a couple of years in the system to to learn. And, you know, uh, he was certainly a high, highly touted guy. He was, I think, higher rated coming out of high school than than C.J. Stroud, um, uh, his, his, uh, his predecessor at quarterback. Um, but but I, I think he's ready for this opportunity. Now, uh, he, he's got a lot of help around him. He's got, uh, in my view, the, the best receiving core. Might not be even comparable. Uh, you know, coming back with, with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka, Julian Fleming, who was a former nation's number one overall recruit. Th- those are three of the better receivers in the Big Ten, if not college football. Um, so that helps. Um, offensive line. You know, they do lose their tackles to the NFL. They bring back Matt Jones at, at guard and some, some other interesting uh, players there. But, um, you know, again, I think, I think you know, Ryan Day and, and his track record at quarterback is just hard to overlook. Um, you know, he, 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 he's had three consecutive number one draft picks come out of there um, after, for a program that is not historically great at quarterback did not have a number one draft pick for decades and decades. All of a sudden you go Dwayne Haskins, Jr., Justin Fields, and then CJ Stroud, all, all number one draft picks with CJ, obviously number two overall in this year, in this year's uh, uh, draft. So I, I think Kyle McCord is, has been set up as well as possible for this opportunity. And now he's got to go deliver. And he obviously has familiarity 
with Harrison Jr. from from playing at, at the same high school program outside of uh, uh, or in Philadelphia rather. And um, uh, and and then again, I think the key for him and that offense as well is getting the running back position right. It just mm-hmm. seemed messy last year um, from where there's injuries or performance, and they were constantly rotating guys. I mean, they played they played a running back group in the in the Michigan game. I, I was on the sideline watching them warm up, and I, I just couldn't believe that this is who they were going with from a running back standpoint. So I think that room is really important that Ohio State gets production and gets consistency out of Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, Dallin Hayden, that group to help out a, a new quarterback, um, even though he's a, a you know guy that's been in the program for a while and certainly a talented player in Kyle McCord. Do you think we get the freshman Travion Henderson uh, as opposed to the sophomore? Uh, you mm-hmm. know, as a freshman, over 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, he was just tremendous. And then last year, uh, a, certainly a, a pretty sizable step back. W- what do you expect yeah. from, from Travion Henderson this year? I, I still think there's a, a bright future there. Now, you know, the injury thing is real. Um, it really never was right. Uh, consistency uh, for, for him. Um, now, Mayan Williams is certainly a very capable player as well. But yeah, you, you know, we saw what Travion could do as a, as a young back. Tony offers one of the best running backs coaches in the country. Um, you know, I think, I think they've worked on, on, on certainly, you know, that, that, that consistency and recapturing what he had a couple of years ago, but, um, you know, there's other players in that room. It's a deep room. And I think Ohio state might be interested in using a mix of backs rather than just relying on one guy. Um, because Williams has played a lot that Dallin Hayden did some good things. Um, it's probably going to be the, 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 the player who's most consistent in practice and gives, uh, Ryan day and. Brian Hartline and Tony Alford and that staff the the most confidence that they're going to go in and perform because you know that's a that's a historically great position for Ohio State whereas quarterback isn't but you saw and you saw last year that they were lacking a bit at, at running back and so uh, I think the players are there to recapture it whether it will be Trey as sort of the main guy or it's going to be a mix of them I think they have the ability to be a better room Adam when you look at uh, the defense, uh, a lot of pieces back, which is usually a good thing. Um, but, you know, they went out and spent big money to get Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. And as the year went on, uh, this is a defense that I think left a lot to be desired. Um, do you expect in year two of Jim Knowles there to be a, a pretty sizable step forward here for uh, for the Buckeyes? I mean, you really would think so. I mean, they were better and it's hard to, you have to remind ourselves that, that they did improve in many categories. However, their last two games were, were, were poor. Mm-hmm. And um, Jim Knowles is the first to admit that now his track record, um, why they brought him in would suggest that th- they will be better, but it's also been a problem now going back uh, a number of years. I mean, other than the 2019 season, when Jeff Halfley was there before he got the Boston college job, Ohio state, with some really good coaches, Greg Schiano's a heck of a defensive coach. Uh, it wasn't working with him either. So I think there's a bit of a concern somewhat similar to USC and Lincoln Riley is when you have a quarterback coach who's as good as Ryan day, as good as Lincoln Riley, can they get the defense right now? Ohio state certainly has the personnel to do it. You mentioned some of the players who are returning. They've recruited well, they've added some players in the portal, who I think can help them. They added a safety from Syracuse who, who, uh, who's coming out of a good defense there, who I think can help them get better. But there's a little bit of a track record now 
um, under Ryan Day that that's just troubling that that you know they're not elite and 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 they and they break down at certain points. I mean, you you mentioned the Georgia game, a game that Ohio State should have won. Ohio State was better than Georgia that day. Are they better than Georgia last season as a whole? No, but on that night they were the better team, and one of the reasons that they didn't win was their defense just collapsed in the fourth quarter. And, and, and one of the reason they didn't beat Michigan, one of them was the defense couldn't stop the big play. So that's certainly a focus for, for Jim Knowles and those players and the leaders on that team, because you know, they're going to be stressed this year by a number of teams, Penn state, Michigan, Notre Dame early in the year. And then if they're fortunate enough to get into the playoff, they're going to have to stop some really good offenses and really good quarterbacks. And so I'm excited to see what they can do. I mean, their defensive line, you know, hasn't been a strength in Ryan Day's tenure um, always. Uh, it should be this year, uh, but it's going to be about the development. JTT, who I mentioned, Jack Sawyer, who is a nationally elite recruit, he's coming back. Um, so, you know, Larry Johnson has been one of the better defensive line coaches in college football. I think there's been some, been some questions. Has he lost it a little bit? Can he recapture it with some really talented players? It's going to be one of the interesting subplots for this Buckeye team. 87 to 50. That is the combined score of the last two Michigan Ohio State games, which I'm sure makes Buckeye fans kind of shudder when they think about it. Adam, right now, if you look at some, you know, way, way too early, like we call them game of the year lines, Michigan's a slight favor to to win uh, at the big house uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. They're a two and a half point favor, but the odds are basically the same. When you look at who's going to win the, the conferences here, it's Ohio State plus 170, Michigan plus 180. Right now, I'm not making you slam money down, Adam, but who do you think right now will win the Big Ten? Yeah, I, I, I think Michigan should be favored to win the Big Ten. Like they should go into the team year as the team to beat, yep. which hasn't really been the case. It's just hard for me to believe Ohio State's going to go three years without winning the Big Ten. <laughs> you know, because if you if you ask coaches objectively around the conference who has the has the most talent, it's Ohio State, still Ohio State, and they have the best quarterback coach in the conference, and why? And Ryan Day. Now, Penn State could have something to say about this. Penn State uh, feels like they have their best team in quite some time, coming off an eleven win season and a Rose Bowl championship. Now, they certainly were a ways away from beating Michigan last year so they have to catch up but i think those three it's going to be a really good race ohio state benefits from penn state uh coming to their house they have to go to the big house michigan's got to go to penn state so it's going to be fun to see um you know if if those three kind of beat each other up or if one can sort of emerge from 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 the others it just for me it's hard to go against ohio state because of their offensive personnel and the fact like you said jim Knowles' second year there's too much talent on that defense for them to be struggling this much. If they don't win this year, there's really concern because why, despite the best talent and the best quarterback situation, maybe in school history, uh, when you think about go, you know, since Ryan Day got there in, in, in 2017, why hasn't it translated recently to more championships? That would be a real concern if Ohio State can't win it this year. Well, let's get to those Nittany Lions uh, right now, six to one to win the The Big Ten, uh, as you alluded to, a ton of talent coming off a really uh, exciting year, massive favorites in week one against West Virginia uh, at Ohio State, middle of October, home to Michigan in the middle of November. Those are the two big boys, certainly Uh, no Wisconsin in the crossover, which, you know, is beneficial. We'll get to that. They do host Iowa. That will be your uh, whiteout game uh, on September 23rd. But 
you know, the quarterback is is the question always, right? And, and you know, Drew Aller is is now the guy, very highly thought of, big time recruit. Uh, what do you expect from from Drew Aller as as he has been handed the reins? And you know, I have a couple Penn State fans in my life, Adam, like we probably all do, because there's alums everywhere, uh, and and they're fired up about Aller and the prospects of him, you know, taking over as uh, as QB one. Yeah, the, the wait for Drew Aller is a real thing. I'm sure those Penn State alums were hoping that maybe he'd get a shot even earlier. They were loyal to Sean Clifford, maybe to a fault, but uh, went out on a good note at least. I, I think, yeah, Drew Aller's the quarterback that can get Penn State closer if he is as good as advertised to competing for a Big Ten championship and, and a college football playoff spot, which is, has eluded them despite being a really good program. I think the exciting thing for Penn State is that uh, they have the running game sorted out. They have the offensive line, which had been a real issue um, for kind of in the middle part of James Franklin's tenure since their last Big Ten championship team in 2016. They, they haven't been great on the O-line. That should be a, a, a real strength. Olufashanu anchoring the group at, at, at tackle as a potential top 10 draft pick. That's really exciting for, for Penn State. Um, you know, how's the wide receiver group going to be? That's one where you know, Penn State made a coaching change, bringing in, uh, Marcus Higgins from Virginia, who's highly, highly regarded. Um, and, you know, he's working with a mix of returning guys, also transfers. Dante Cephas coming in from Kent State. He'll be an interesting one to watch uh, who can help Drew Aller. I really like their tight ends. They've established something nice there at, at tight end. And so, you know, can this offense resemble more like uh, Ohio State's offense and Michigan's offense? I think they're going to be outstanding on defense as well. Um, with some of the personnel that they have coming back, Abdul Carter in particular, uh, a guy at linebacker who's a national awards candidate. They have experience at linebacker. They have a, a pretty good defensive front. They do lose some key pieces in the back end, Joey Porter Jr., Dyer Brown, but they also have guys who have played in the secondary. So, um, you know, this is a year that uh, Penn State ha has, has circled as, as one where they, they, they should be competing. And you know how painful it's been for James Franklin, their coach, who you know, certainly uh, makes no no secret about his his standard is to is to is to win the Big Ten and compete nationally, and he hasn't gotten it done enough against Michigan and Ohio State, and both of those programs are very strong. So fascinated to see what happens this year um, uh, against in, in both of those games, but overall how this Penn State team performs. Adam, going a little bit further down, and we'll kind of rifle through these teams a little quicker uh, as we try to touch on as many teams in the Big Ten as possible. We go to the the West, and you know Wisconsin coming off of what is a very disappointing year for for Wisconsin football, but of course uh, they were able to uh, pull a coup. I, I was pretty surprised to see that they were able to grab Luke Fickle to come over to Wisconsin. They've been very busy in the portal. Uh, obviously, you know, they go out and uh, they bring in Phil Longo to be their offensive coordinator, which will be uh, fascinating. I do a, a morning show in Milwaukee and uh, uh, to, to yeah. be talking about a lot of points on a regular basis, potentially is going to be something a, a bit unusual there for Wisconsin. So the buzz is high rightfully so, uh, regarding Wisconsin and Luke Fickle. Maybe not so for 2023, but, you know, big picture for Badger fans there. They go and get Tanner Mordecai from SMU, uh, C.J. Williams, uh, the the highly touted recruit who was at USC. Now he comes over to Wisconsin. Um, you know, you look at the schedule, they, they do have that crossover at home against Ohio State, but no Michigan, no Penn State. 
Uh, so the schedule seems to to kind of set up nicely there for Wisconsin. They get Iowa at home. Uh, they get Nebraska at home. They finish up, you know, on the road against Minnesota. So year one of Luke Fickle, uh, you know, folks in uh, Madison are expecting some big things. What are your expectations of Wisconsin? Yeah, this is going to be the grand experiment, right, uh, because of the offense. And it's so unlike – I mean, I was at a practice this spring. It's so unlike what Wisconsin fans are used to. You know, there have been some quarterbacks have come in through there, receivers here and there. But the system that is so different from, you know, that sort of identity of Wisconsin, which is I formation and under center quarterback and, you know, you know slower tempo and trying to pound your opponent. That's that's not going to be the approach with Phil Longo. It is truly an air raid system. And, you know, they have added a lot of players out of the portal, three quarterbacks. You mentioned C.J. Williams, a number of other wide receivers. They got a, a receiver in from Cincinnati, uh, Bryson Green, I believe, from Oklahoma State. So, you know, the, these are not typically the types of players Wisconsin is bringing into the program, but it's a new day. It's a, it's a different offense. And what interests me the most is how some of the holdover players – adjust to it how does their offensive line adjust to being in the air raid how does Braylon Allen a quarterback who you know if you're going to craft a, a Wisconsin quarterback in a lab he looks like Braylon Allen uh, but he's now going to be an air raid running back right. and doing some different things um, you know the receivers are fired up I mean the, the holdover receivers who I talked to were really excited about um, being part of the system but how quickly does it does it translate? And also, what does it do to them defensively? You know, Luke Fickle brought this up to me in the spring, is that sometimes it's easier to be on the side of the ball that's changing dramatically and harder to be on the side of the ball that's basically just supposed to continue on a really good path while, you know, your offense is, is, is maybe on the field for, for 45 seconds and then you're back out there if it's a three and out or even if it's a touchdown. So it, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see if Wisconsin, which is – really statistically been one of the best five, your top, top five, top three defenses in the country over the last decade. Are they able to sustain with some of the changes going on there? New coaches, air raid on the other side of the ball, uh, even though Luke uh, you know, has, has a great reputation on defense and did a great job at Cincinnati on defense. So I, I'm, it's one of the more interesting teams in all of college football, but specifically to the Big Ten because Wisconsin has played a, a very clear style had a very clear identity, and now that's starting to change, at least, at least from a schematic standpoint, under this coaching staff. Well, you mentioned interesting, and interesting is not usually a, a word to describe Iowa's offense. But, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've made some tweaks. They went to the portal pretty heavy, too. They lost some talent. I mean, if you were watching the NFL draft, uh, you, you know, a lot of guys uh, from Iowa – uh, were, were scooped up early on in that draft. So, you know, a road game at Penn State that I mentioned, road game at Wisconsin, wrap up the season at Nebraska, uh, tons of pressure, it feels like, on, on you know, maybe not so much Kirk Ferentz, but his son, uh, Brian Ferentz, who remains the offensive coordinator. Cade McNamara steps in as the new quarterback there. Uh, you know, Iowa's always, it just always kind of sits in that eight to nine win range, it feels like, Adam, and you know, that's what we saw last year, if you include their bowl win over Kentucky. So could we, dare I say, do we see improvements from this offense uh, in 2023? Well, it's hard to be worse. Um, I think you're going to have improvement, uh, in part because of the um, players they've brought in. I, I think some of the um, ingredients that when they have been at least solid offensively are, are, are more in place this year than they were last year. 
I think the running back room is is solid. I think the offensive line should be better. And again, that's a position where Iowa's thrived. They put a lot of guys in the NFL. Kirk Ferentz is an O-line coach. Brian Ferentz is an O-line coach. You know, that that's a that's a that's a primary focus type of position group for for Iowa. And um and it and it just wasn't good last year. It wasn't a good O-line. Um, I think Cade McNamara you know, really helps them at quarterback uh, because he's been in big situations. He's steady. He can make plays. He's not going to be the the you know the most talented always out there, but he's gonna he's gonna be able to get it done on a more consistent basis. Um, and then you bring in Eric All from Michigan as well, and you know, when healthy, he can be a very effective tight end. I think the combination of Eric All and Luke Lachey at tight end it will be one of the better ones in the Big Ten. Wide receivers got some major questions. I mean, let's be let's be honest. It was not a good group uh, in terms of production last year. Um, they've got to be a lot better going forward. Um, you know, Nico Regani's back. Uh, you know, some new faces. They've brought in some transfers. Offensive line they have. Wide receiver. Uh, they've brought in some new guys. And so, how is it going to click this year? Uh, but again, it can't really, honestly, get much worse. I, and, and that's honest. That you you can make a good case for why Iowa should be the favorite in the West, uh, the final year of the Big Ten West, um, because. They, they they shouldn't drop off a whole lot defensively, even though they lose two first round draft picks, still have a lot of really good players on that side of the ball and their offense will get better. I, I really believe that because it can't get much worse. Well, you mentioned that uh, the last four years, we've had four different representatives from the West in the Big Ten Championship. Purdue last year, Iowa two years ago, Northwestern in 2020, the COVID season, and then Wisconsin in 2019. Uh, by the way, if you're wondering, the West has not won the Big Ten Championship since 2012 uh, when Wisconsin put up that 70-burger uh, on Nebraska. So right now, um, you know, I think the slight favorite would be Wisconsin to come out of the West based off of the odds. But Adam, who do you think uh, will ultimately prevail in what it always feels to be a, a, a jumbled West division? Yeah, you know, I think it's between Wisconsin and Iowa. I would not count out Minnesota, maybe not even Illinois. I think Illinois will be really good defensively again. Uh, but I, I like Iowa, and, and it, it sounds crazy because they were so poor offensively, but I think because of the players they've brought in and the fact that the run game should be a little bit more consistent, their defense is so great. And, you know, yeah, they lose Jack Campbell. They, they lose Lucas Van Ness up front, but I know they really like their defensive line coming back some of the veterans in that room. Cooper DeGene's one of the best cornerbacks in college football, playmaker in the secondary. I like some of the other personnel they have back there. And I just think Wisconsin, because it's uh, it's such a dramatic shift, I don't know if it works right away. I think Wisconsin, you know, makes some mistakes to, 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 to lose some games that, that maybe they, they won't in the future. But it's such a dramatic change from what they've been to what they will be. Uh, whereas Iowa just a little bit uptick on offense. If you maintain on defense, forcing takeaways, uh, winning on special teams. I, I, I think was, I think uh, Iowa uh, comes out of the West this year. All right. We'll do a couple quick hitters, Adam, to, to wrap up. Cause uh, I want to let you run and uh, zoom is yelling at me and telling me we only have about seven minutes. So we'll, we'll, we're on the clock here. We'll go uh, quick hitters, Michigan state uh, lost a lot in the portal coming off of a rough season. Uh, it feels like after that magical 2021 season where they got, you know, a, a bid to the Orange Bowl, if I remember correctly, with Kenneth Walker, it seems like the arrow is uh, it pointed down. Is that is that too harsh of an assessment on the, on Sparty this year? 
No, I mean, they're, they're, they're a uh, big mystery, right? Uh, certainly was not a good season last year. They've had some changes in their program. New personnel director coming in. Uh, you mentioned Peyton Thorne and Keaton Keon Coleman, both transferring out right after spring ball, which is less than ideal. I, you know, I, I've heard some good things about Noah Kim, who's likely to step in at quarterback, but you know, he's still unproven in terms of uh, game situations. Um, and, you know, and to me, the, the, the biggest uh, mystery so far in, in Mel Tucker's tenure is why they haven't been better defensively, especially in the back end. You know, Mel, Mel Tucker is one of the most accomplished you know, defensive head coaches in college football when you think about it. And this guy was like an NFL coordinator in his early 30s and was a coordinator for multiple teams. And then he was at, I mean, all he was, he's been at all the major college programs you can think about Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Georgia as an assistant and often as the defensive coordinator. Um, but he, wh why haven't they been better defensively, um, especially in the secondary? That's Mel's specialty. So I'm curious to see if they can improve on defense and if they're going to be more formidable because uh, in USC and UCLA, we'll find this out. You have to play defense in the Big Ten. You can't just uh, outslug people in this conference. And it's probably why Ohio State's fallen off a little bit in terms of the championships is that their defense is not what it was. Michigan State needs to get back to playing really good defense. They weren't great defensively in 2021. They were able to overcome it because of Kenneth Walker and, and how good they were on offense. Last year, you know, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't very good overall. So they're really one of the bigger mysteries in the conference. Matt Rule comes in Nebraska. Scott Frost was supposed to be the savior. Obviously, we know how that played out. Now Matt Rule comes in, a guy who was a miracle worker at his two previous stops as a head coach in college football, not so much in Carolina and the NFL at Temple, and then taking over Baylor. What do you expect in year one of Matt Rule? And oh, by the way, week two, uh, pretty intriguing showdown there with an old rivalry and Deion Sanders against Matt Rule in week two there. Yeah, really excited for that one in Boulder. Um, yeah, I, I think Matt's a really good hire. I think both Luke Fickle and Matt Rule are going to do well at their programs. You know, it's a more uphill battle for Matt um, because of the roster, because of, of some of the habits that they have to get out of their program, turning the ball over, making catastrophic mistakes on special teams. I, I think for Nebraska, and I know, you know, your listeners are, are, are curious on how many wins. I, you know, for me, I'm watching Nebraska less so in terms of the record and more in terms of how it looks. Are some of the um, some of the trends changing in their program in terms of how they play? You know, Trev Alberts hired Matt Rule because he wants to win at the line of scrimmage. He wants to win running the ball. He wants to recapture some of the characteristics that made Nebraska truly one of the great programs in college football for you know, three plus decades. And they've sort of gotten away from that a little bit. And so how it looks is going to be really interesting. And then does that translate to some wins this year? I, th I think it's going to be tough uh, for them because so many other programs are further along, but I, I do think in the long run, Nebraska is going to be more competitive and, and really start to win the way that it needs to. The, the biggest irony about Nebraska during their time in the big 10 is that the values that made them great, that made them national champions, are the same values you need to play with to be successful in this conference. Don't beat yourself, run the football, win the line of scrimmage. Nebraska did that for decades. They completely have gotten away from it here lately. And I think Matt Rule is the type of coach that can get them back to that. 
Yeah, not an easy start. You start with a primetime game on the road at Minnesota and then big noon kickoff out in Boulder, which uh, certainly will have plenty of eyeballs on that one as Dion opens up his uh, his tenure there in Colorado uh, with his first home game there for, uh, for the Buffs. Hey, Adam, great stuff, man. I, we did a good job. We got through a handful uh, of these teams. You live in Chicago. Quick thought on Northwestern. They went 1-11 last year. Yeah. Are, are we going to get back to uh, – uh, a team that covers a lot of games because people love we we call them you know cat uh uh Pat's cats we it's a it's a covering machine or at least it had been so final minute yeah. Northwestern any improvements this year? Yeah, you can't, another team that can't get much worse. I think they will be better, especially on defense. I think the coordinator change was was much needed. Um, they still have some talent on that side of the ball, and then offensively, can they find something at quarterback? Um, you know, whether it's Brendan Sullivan or Brent Bryant, the transfer from Cincinnati, who has a lot of starting experience, I think I think gives them a chance to be better. Are they going to win the division? No. Uh, could they get closer to bowl eligibility? It's possible. But I think overall they're going to be more competitive this year. Adam, great stuff, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thanks again to Adam Rittenberg from ESPN. Give him a follow as he is a, a great Follow for Big Ten content at ESPN Rittenberg. That's R-I-T-T-E-N-B-E-R-G. Senior writer for ESPN and someone who keeps a a very close pulse on the Big Ten. All right, that's going to do it for this installment of the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of a Power Five conference. I would tell you who it is, but I don't know yet. So we will work to get you another quality guest like Adam was breaking down the Big Ten. But until next week, a reminder, if you're still listening, hopefully you are, all the way through, baby, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.